Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Warning Track Power podcast with your baseball guys, Jake and Chris. And Chris, let's just jump right into it. We are in the final week of the regular season, and there's a lot to talk about this week, a lot of uh, playoff scenarios uh, and stuff like that, which we'll touch on a little bit when we get to our uh, what could be our last version of our power rankings before uh, we do our show next week previewing uh, the postseason, but uh, there's been a lot happening. I know your Cardinals have somehow, some way, snuck their way uh, into a uh, surefire playoff spot and uh, really not snuck at this point. They've won 16 straight, but uh, it's been uh, a wild and a busy last week, and uh, I'm excited to jump into it and uh, get started talking a little bit about the playoffs and just see uh, how everything takes shape over the next week. Yeah, yeah, this is a really exciting time. You know, we have, and we'll talk about it coming up, a number of teams who've clinched their divisions, Mm -hmm. uh, another couple that are just basically formalities. So we're to the point where we can really, you know, in this final week, look to a couple of key races that matter because most everything up, most everything else is being settled. Uh, But yet there are still a few things where, you know, every game is going to matter on a huge level for the Yankees, for the Red Sox, for the Blue Jays over the course of this next week. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting to watch and we can kind of focus in on that, but also we start to see playoff matchups potentially taking shape and, we get to start thinking about that too. So it's a really fun time. And we've got, like you mentioned, a lot to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely it is. And uh, we'll start with uh, Wander Franco. Now, we covered his debut uh, a couple of weeks, or a couple of months ago at this point, um, back in, I believe it was end of June, beginning of July, somewhere in there. Um, and Wander Franco former number one prospect in baseball does not look any bit like a rookie at all. He's been on base 41 games in a row, which is just two games shy of Frank Robinson's AL slash NL record for a player, 21 years old or younger, 41 games in a row to put that, you know, kind of put, his streak in the context a little bit he since his streak began on july 25th he has recorded more hits than swinging strikes 52 to 46 and more walks than strikeouts 16 to 15 he's only struck out twice in his last 69 plate appearances and just four times over his last 110 and he has 21 multi-hit games versus four that he has not gotten on base at all in his short career so far, which is absolutely insane. Since July 24th, which is the last time he did not reach base, he's raised his batting average from 221 to 287 and his on-base percentage from 272 to 350. I mean, Chris, I know it's a, it's a relatively small sample size, you know, kind of half a season, mm-hmm. but what do you, I mean, what do you make of Wander Franco and just the, the ability of this, I mean, this rookie to just get on base at an insane rate. It's, I mean, you know, really, really impressive. And, you know, it's important to remember, we're talking about a guy who is still 20 years old. Yeah. 
He's not going to be 21 years old. He's not allowed to drink yet. He's not of legal drinking age until March 2022. Yeah. And the fact that he is at this age performing with a 134 OPS plus um, in the majors in a rookie season is just incredible to see. It, you know, it explains why, or, you know, it sort of backs up why he was such a, such a huge prospect because I don't think there's anybody out there who thinks that what he's doing now, as incredible as it is, is anywhere near his ceiling. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and the fact that he's doing this at this age, you know, like he's, even if he's good, not great next year. Okay. Well, that was his age 21 season. Like yeah. there's still so much time for him to be a productive major leaguer. Mm-hmm. I really, I think seeing the plate discipline be what it is, is also really encouraging because it isn't right. just raw talent. I mean, obviously he has incredible raw talent, raw power, yeah. all these skills, yeah. But the fact that he's putting it together in a way that's, you know, going to serve him even when, you know, maybe he isn't hitting home runs out, but hey, he can work walks, he can get on base and contribute other ways. Yeah. And the fact that he's done what he's doing, despite the fact that, you know, his first week plus in the majors was not good. He was hitting like under 200 for like a good, I mean, a good week or so, which you know isn't much, but it wasn't like he even got off to a fantastic start. Yeah. So um, it's, it's just really encouraging to see the sky's the limit. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that I'm, the Rays are able to hold on to him for years and years because, uh, he's going to be a really, really special player. Absolutely. I mean, it's just been crazy to watch. Um, he, like I said, he's coming up on Frank Robinson's, uh, record for a player under, uh, 21 years of age or, or younger. And uh, we'll just see how long he can keep it going because uh, it's been, it's been fun to keep track of. And, uh, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. A couple other records uh, that have either been broken or in jeopardy of being broken. We talked about him last week, but Salvador Perez, uh, the day after we recorded. So the day the, uh, the episode went up, uh, he broke Johnny Brench's, uh, all-time home run record for a catcher. He hit his 46th home run of the season. Uh, and along those same lines, Marcus Simeon tied the uh, home run record for second baseman in a single season. And uh, just two guys that, you know, uh, especially Marcus Simeon, who broke out, you know, in 2019, finally with the Oakland A's, just making uh, a name for himself as one of the, you know, best power hitters, uh, in in baseball this season and doing it as a second baseman in a position that typically doesn't have a, a whole lot of power yeah what a outstanding deal that has proven to be for the toronto blue jays oh, yeah. um because simeon like you mentioned he'd been a good but not great player for several years for oakland you know he struck out a lot the on base mm-hmm. wasn't good at all and then he had this breakout 2019 like you mentioned finished third in MVP balloting. So like we knew there was a great skill set, but then he came back in 2020 in the shortened season, which, you know, led to a whole bunch of different effects for different players. Mm -hmm. And he was just like miserable, like, like, you know, like a, like this is one of his worst offensive seasons ever. He hit 223. The power wasn't there. The on base wasn't there. It was just, it was just bad basically all the way around. And I mean, that allowed Toronto to be able to sign him to a, a one-year contract with, for 18 million dollars and he has been worth every cent um because i mean 43 home runs uh you know he i had a stat here 
he actually leads all AL batters in war this season, uh, wow. in baseball reference war. So that's, that is how valuable he's been. I'm really curious with Simeon, um, what kind of contract he gets this off season. I mean, I know I'm looking ahead a little bit, but that's going to be a really interesting case because we have a, a full class of free agent shortstops of star free agent shortstops, Correa, Baez, Seager. And then there's Simeon who like moved to second base. He wasn't a good defender at short, but yeah. Could a team move him back there? Could he stay at second? I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. And if the blue Jays do make it to the postseason, they owe so much of that to Marcus Simeon and what he's done this year. Absolutely. I mean, it's just been, uh, you know, he was drafted by the white Sox originally. And like you said, Chris, he was, not very good, especially defensively. I mean, he, I remember his, his rookie year and his second year with the White Sox, he was just, just terrible in the field. Errors all over the place. One of the worst defensive uh, infielders in baseball at that point. I mean, he made, um, looking here, I think 14 errors uh, with the White Sox uh, over you know, 60 ish games in 2014, which is not good. And even when he went to Oakland, uh, his first full year with Oakland, he made uh, 35 errors in basically a full season, 21 the next season. Uh, and it's really over, you know, the last season or two, really since 2019, uh, where he's cut down on those errors. You know, obviously nobody's going to be perfect, but having you know, 20, 30 errors in a full season is, is just at some point detrimental to your team, but he's cleaned up his defense. He's found uh, a, uh, a nice hitting stroke, a very nice hitting stroke with those 43 home runs. And uh, it's just been fun to see him kind of find that uh, the type of player that, that he can be. So um, he will, almost certainly break that record. Uh, it's held by Davey Johnson. Um, there's still a week left and uh, he is uh, hitting the ball out of the ballpark at a, a very high rate right now, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well. And next up, uh, Chris, we got some good news for your Cardinals as if they need any more. Yeah, that's right. So, some good news <laughs> on the pitching front. You know, one of the most surprising things to me about the miraculous run that they've been on is how they've been able to do it despite not having uh, several of their key pitchers. I mean, obviously, you know, we've spoken so much about the job Adam Wainwright's done this year. Even some of the veterans they brought in like Lester and Hap have been serviceable. They've gotten contributions throughout in this recent streak, but the fact that they've done this without Jack Flaherty for the most part and Dakota Hudson, a respectable, you know, fourth, fifth starter who they had in their plans, uh, prior um, is it goes even more to show you know it, it makes this run even more miraculous but now they have those two guys back uh, Jack Flaherty uh, returned uh, uh, against the Cubs on Friday yeah. now he wasn't very good it was a short <laughs> outing yeah. um, very very short outing like he didn't go on an extensive rehab assignment um, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be stretched out for the postseason. Like he's just yeah. not like, he's just not going to be a guy who goes through seven innings in the wild card game against the Dodgers. Sure. But a non fully stretched out Jack Flaherty is still a very good pitcher to have on your team. And the same goes for Dakota Hudson, who uh, came in following Flaherty on Friday and his return from uh, Tommy John surgery. Mm -hmm. And he went three and two thirds and picked up a win 
he looked pretty sharp. He wasn't outstanding, but he was sharp. And so having these two guys back, even if they're not at full strength in terms of the, their workload, yeah. you know, they can piggyback them. They can have them in relief. Just having those options of a, one of the best young pitchers in the National League and a respectable you know, third, fourth, fifth starter kind of guy who you yeah. can throw out there in the postseason just takes a weight and a load off of the rest of the team's pitchers. There are some mm-hmm. veterans on the staff. Yeah. who maybe can't, you know, who can't from time to time, maybe they won't be able to go the six, seven innings. You could piggyback guys. You can get creative, especially in the postseason, mm-hmm. uh, to get it done. So it's, it's definitely great to have both of those guys back. Absolutely. I'm sure it is. And, um, you know, we have on here the, uh, you know, the 16 game win streak that we've been, uh, that the Cardinals have been on, but uh, I know Chris, you'll talk about that later. So we'll, we'll save that, uh, for when uh, you fill everybody in on, on uh, what's been happening with the team from St. Louis. Um, so we'll move on uh, past that for now. A uh, couple mm-hmm. of uh, injuries, one return from injury, uh, another new injury that we're learning about. Um, Shane Bieber activated. Uh, I believe it was his first start since May, maybe. Um let me pull it out it's here. Been, it's been more than three months, so yeah. that's, that sounds about right. Let's see here. He pitched uh, against the White Sox. Uh, first start since June 13th, so about that long. Um, <clears throat> but he went three perfect innings against the White Sox uh, on September 24th, so I believe that was Friday. He struck out mm-hmm. three, uh, didn't give up anything. He faced nine batters, got them all out and threw 34 pitches. So... Um, was uh, very solid in his return, as sharp as ever, and uh, definitely not going to give, uh, uh, you know, rush uh, rush him back, especially with the season winding down. This week in the Indians, very uh, eliminated from playoff contention, um, they will uh, shut him down uh, with uh, pretty minimal uh, work in the second half of the season and get him ready for 2022. Um, and he might be one of their, uh, a few bright spots uh, next season. Yeah, uh, this was, you know, it seemed a little bit odd in some sense because of how late it was in the season before he was able to return. It's like, well, mm-hmm. why are you bringing him back for two starts if yeah. you're already, you know, eliminated from playoff contention, essentially? Um, yeah. And the answer was, from, from what I understand and what I've read, um, is that Bieber wanted to come back to make a couple starts to head into the offseason, feeling like he was at full strength or, you know, that he had put in the work and you know I understand that completely as long as they're not over overtaxing him now mm-hmm. I understand he wants to come back throw three innings in his first start back throw four or five in his next start and go into the offseason feeling like okay I'm, I'm good to go I've, I've done this at the major league level so that's the logic there if it seems a little odd but uh you know obviously we know how good Bieber can be at his best yeah the you know uh, you know we know he was the 2020 AL Cy Young winner yeah. with this just incredible season he was very good not not as great as he was last year very good this year before going down uh with injury and um he sh- it shouldn't be forgotten that he is one of the top three pitchers in the american league when yeah. healthy and and should be considered so heading into next year absolutely and he uh frustrates uh american league central hitters every time he goes uh, out on the mound and just hitters he faces all the time, especially the White Sox. Uh, can't figure out how to hit the guy. Um, so, but definitely good to see him back. Never want to see anybody go down 
uh, for any uh, significant length of time because uh, you want to you want to uh, beat the best if you're going to beat anybody. Um, but we'll move now to a, a new injury, uh, and this is uh, key cog in the Giants' uh, playoff hopes. Uh, that's first baseman Brandon Belt. He was hit uh, in the thumb by a uh, by a fastball at Coors Field, I believe today or yesterday. Uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, and X-rays revealed a fracture in his left thumb. Um, and they don't know a timetable for his return, but uh, Brandon Belt, definitely not the guy you want to lose as the Giants uh, try to lock down the National League West uh, ahead of the Dodgers and uh, lock down that number one seed in the National League playoffs and the number one seed overall um, before the postseason. But Belt had 29 home runs. I uh, was leading the, uh, the Giants in that category. And uh, since the end of August over the past couple of months or past month or so, he had a, an OPS uh, nearing 1,200, um, which is just behind Bryce Harper and Juan Soto over that period. So um, it's just another piece that the, the Giants are going to have to replace and find somebody uh, that, you know, you wouldn't expect to kind of fill that, that role and uh, push them uh, to an NL West title. Yeah, you know, there's there's two sides to it. One is that this is, you know, a huge loss. Like you mentioned, he's been outstanding and and under the radar. Like, I mean, yeah. this is a guy who's been around a while. He's in his, you know, approaching his mid-30s now. Since the start of last season, 148 games, so a little mm-hmm. less than a full season's worth of games, yeah. he's played in almost 40 home runs, yeah. uh, almost 1,000 OPS, like – He's legitimately having this sort of mid-30s career, I wouldn't call it a, a breakout, but sort of performing at a higher level than he has really right. in recent years here and here in his uh, as he approaches his mid-30s. You know, on the other side of things, um, you know, this is a Giants team that is well equipped as yeah. one can be. I mean, you know, aside from having some sort of all-star backup, you know, like <laughs> Aside from it, this best case scenario, they're still just about as equipped as you can be for right. an absence like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Wilmer Flores, Lamont Wade, Darren Ruff, none of those names are like, ooh, star, but they've right. all in their respective ways in you know part-time roles mm-hmm. performed well for the Giants this year. It's not clear how long Belt's going to be out, but JT Real Muto and Joey Votto both suffered fractured thumbs earlier this year, both missed about a month. Yeah. So if it's anywhere near that, then Belt's probably not making it back for much of any of October. Maybe it's less, but it's uh, certainly something where their Giants are going to have to have to prepare for alternate plans here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you you talk about their versatility, and they've got you know you have Chris Bryant, who's almost right. the the super utility, like one of the best uh, super utility men. Uh, in baseball, you can throw him at first base. Uh, you got Longoria to cover third, obviously. And then that outfield between Dickerson and Steven Duggar, Mike Stremski, Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, Darren Ruff is also hurt right now, but he's been very, very good for uh, uh, the Giants this season as well. Um, they, they are definitely well-equipped to handle uh, a loss like this. Um, and we'll see how it how it serves them in the postseason. But Chris, we got another return from injury. This one uh, pretty significant. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it wasn't really that long time, that long ago that, you know, if you remember Chris Bassett, of course, with that uh, horrific injury situation, he suffered a fractured jaw and a cheekbone. It's been, oh, only about five weeks ago that that happened. It, it uh-huh. you know, really hasn't been that long ago that, that he suffered that really significant injury and 100 mile an hour line drive to the head where yeah. he had to have, to have surgery for multiple fractures. He was having a great year and, and he's back. He's back for the Oakland Athletics. Now, unfortunately for the A's, they're not in a good position, you know, for the postseason. It looks like that's not going to happen for him. But mm-hmm. that aside, um, having Bassett back um, is just really, really, it's great to see him back on the mound, you know, aside from just what he could do from the, for the, for the A's as they try to fight for a playoff spot here, still a slight chance. Uh, regardless of that, he's been it just seeing him back on the mound is outstanding he was not um you know he, he made his actually he, he came back to three scoreless innings against the mariners he's not stretched out he's just going to throw a few innings here and there but uh-huh. um just just really great to see him back on the mound really so soon barely a month after he suffered that injury yeah it is uh very good to see him um you know kind of a guy that's quietly broken out uh especially this season he's been very good over his career um you know about a 347 era over about 550 or so innings um not flashy by any means doesn't throw you know particularly hard but he's effective um and he's kind of found a uh a good spot out there in oakland ever since he uh went over there uh, to, at the very start of his career in 2015. Um, and he was an all-star this year as well. So um, kind of finding uh, kind of finding a home in, in Oakland and uh, pitching very well. And uh, fortunately, they have him back uh, as they try to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, slim chances at this point, but uh, he'll definitely be a part of that if they're able to uh, find a way into the wild card. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll see fingers crossed for their sake, but, uh, we'll, you know, them just they're I'm sure they're glad to have him back absolutely. and healthy. Um, you know, I know the next thing we have to talk about here is an interesting one because yeah. so much of the time after the season ends, the spotlight falls on the teams that really struggled, like mightily struggled in 20 in the, the, past season and it's a question of hey this team that finished with the worst record in baseball is their manager going to come back is he is he yeah. done yeah. and we actually have a couple instances from the last week where teams who aren't making the playoffs uh came out and basically said hey we're we are committing to our, our guys to bringing them back yeah uh, so we had three instances of that two for very bad teams and <laughs> one for a mediocre team i would yeah. say it's a decent team uh so like the you know, there's not a ton to say. We, we you know, we're going to dive into each of these too, too much, but yeah. um, the Diamondbacks, despite having the worst record in Major League Baseball, it's been an utterly horrible season. <laughs> Their winning percentage is barely over 30%. Um, despite that, for the Diamondbacks and a run differential of negative 218, mm-hmm. uh, the Diamondbacks have, have extended Tori Lovello through next year with an option for 2023. Mm-hmm. So they think he's the guy, you know, it's so hard to say because of course he was not given the, the roster and the tools he needed to succeed this year. <laughs> right. Like it's just, you know, it's so hard to say. So they're giving yeah. him another year. 
which I think is fine. I have no mm-hmm. hot take on that, um, no. but they're not locking him in past that, you know, he's, he's, so they'll have an option ne- come next year at the end, at this time to see if it's the right direction they want to go. Yep. Uh, and then the same is the case for the Orioles and Brandon Hyde. It's been uh, another bad season for the Orioles, but again, yep. <laughs> that was what was expected. Brandon Hyde was not given the, the roster to for anybody to expect anything more than what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's just they're kind of going status quo, saying, "Okay, well, we'll just we, we don't need to make a change here," so they stick yeah. with him. And then the the Reds with David Bell, he got a two year contract extension. Okay. And you know, since he took the helm with Cincinnati, um, he they've been about a five hundred team. Looked like they were going to get they potentially get that second wild card spot this year until the Cardinals did their thing and the Reds. <laughs> you know, fell off a little bit, but you yeah. know, theirs is a respectable team. They're actually, there's a couple games over 500, five plus games over 500. They made the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. I still think, you know, they're going to need to do a few more things in the next few years to, to really make a splash, but respectable team. David Bell seems like he's doing a solid job with, with what he has. So I don't know if you have any sort of strong views on, on any of those decisions. For me, it was like, you know, it wasn't like, I think they were slam dunks for all those things to happen for them to all come back, but it also wasn't like a negative surprise in any way. No, I think, uh, you know, it's at least in the case of the Orioles and the, the, the Diamondbacks are, it seems like they're just holding out for, you know, uh, kind of using these guys as a bridge to, yeah. you know, their next competitive window. Um, I know, yeah, especially like for the Orioles, they have a lot of uh, young prospects kind of in the pipeline. The the most notable one being Adley Rutschman, uh, the switch inning catcher. He's up in AAA. Uh, he's 23 years old and he should be uh, maybe not necessarily starting next season uh, at the big league level, but pretty freaking close uh, to, uh, to the big leagues in 2022. And he'll probably make his debut. Uh, next season as well um they've got grayson rodriguez he's a, a right-handed pitching prospect uh who's a down in double a maybe a year or so away um so they've got some good pieces and then obviously up at the big league level right now they have cedric mullins who just went uh, and joined the 30 30 club um and then trey mancini uh ryan mountcastle is a good young bat as well um so they got some pieces uh, the Diamondbacks probably further away um, from contending uh, just in terms of prospects and quality of prospects. But uh, it just seems like those teams are kind of just waiting it out and kind of trying to bridge uh, over to their next competitive window. Um, and the Reds just seem like they want to give David Bell uh, a real chance um, to prove himself. They've got uh, some good pieces, obviously an aging Joey Votto, but he hasn't looked like he's uh, been aging, especially since the all-star break. Um, and then Castellanos, Jesse Winker. Um, and then on the pitching side of things, uh, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, guys like that. They have some pieces. They just need to figure out how to put it all together and uh, get back to the playoffs. So I think, uh, you know, just some, uh, you know, just, just, not your typical sort of move, especially for those two really bad teams. Um, but they, they make sense when you uh, dig a little deeper. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right. I, there was, you know, it was interesting to see, I think important to note, but like you said, nothing too 
crazy. I think you can definitely see the logic behind each of those moves, given where those teams are at right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, Chris, and, we got some yeah uh, some uh, interesting news uh, regarding, I guess, kind of the foreign substance crackdown. Uh, it's kind of that topic adjacent uh, yes. down happening down in the minor leagues, especially at AAA. What do you know about that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's only been a few months ago that that was a huge discussion. We were talking about the, the foreign substance crackdown and in recent weeks and even recent months, it really hasn't been a topic of discussion too much. But yeah. one of the things that that was a point when this was all being, you know, discussed earlier on was that without access to some of the, the substances that pitchers were using regularly, um, the balls were just, the baseballs were very slick. Uh, they were not being able to get the same grip that they were used to. And obviously there's, there's difference between using foreign substances to get, you know, increase your spin rate a ton. But there was also just the idea of some of the things like sunscreen that, and, and other things that pitchers were using just to, just to get a better grip on the ball, not to get hundreds and hundreds of RPM difference. Uh, so some pitchers have complained about not being able to get good grip. That's, you know, been very notable. And so, MLB is testing out in some trip for some AAA games, not all AAA games, a pre-tacked baseball, uh-huh. which basically means it's going to have some, you know, some tackiness to it. It's not going to be completely smooth and as, as slick as it has been. They're testing that at the AAA level. It's a little weird to see it happen so late in the season, yeah. um, but understandable uh, that MLB would probably want to, you know, see how does this work? How does this affect things? because that's a solution that a lot of people have proposed, uh, which is that, look, if baseball can come up with the ball that has a little bit more tackiness to it so pitchers can grip it better, then it's easier for them to say, hey, it's pre-tacked baseball. You can, you know, in, don't mess, you know, it's easier for them to crack down and say, look, you know, we were giving it to you with some better way for you to get a grip. So yep. no complaints, this is it. Uh, so I don't know how much data we're going to get or how much information we're going to get about how this goes, but mm-hmm. I think it's at least logical that MLB be looking into this and trying to get some feedback prior to the end of the season, because right. it sounds like maybe that's a possibility that they introduce that in the majors and, you know, for all baseballs, maybe next year. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, a CBS sports article about it. And uh, when uh, the Tokyo Olympic Tokyo Olympics were going on earlier this summer. They uh, were using baseballs that were pre-tacked and uh, they're the same baseballs that they use in the Nippon professional baseball league in Japan. And uh, twins right-handed pitcher, Joe Ryan uh, was quoted as saying it's the base best baseball that he's ever touched and pitched with. And that was kind of the consensus around the Olympics and players who played uh, out in Tokyo um, that they really liked it. And it was uh, just easy to throw and they felt like they had good control and good spin. um, And they just were, uh, were very much in favor of some kind of uh, substance on the ball to just help them get a better grip. But I agree, Chris, it's going to be interesting to see how much data that, MLB can gather before the end of the season because they really only have probably less than a week uh, down in the minors 
uh, at this point, but um, I think I think some kind of middle ground is going to be found. I don't know if it'll be uh, if it'll happen for next season or the beginning of next season, but I think at some point there will be a pretty uh, fair middle ground uh, reached at some point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a discussion that comes back up in the off season. I know there's other off season topics of discussion, such as the CBA situation, mm-hmm. um, but I think this will come back up and hopefully it's, I just, you know, honestly, I kind of hope it's something simple where baseball comes out and MLB comes out and says, look, we're going to do pre-tech baseballs for everyone next year. And the players right. say, yeah, let's do it. And <laughs> it's just not a problem because as interesting as it is to talk about kind of, I'm also okay, okay if we don't make it a regular discussion point about talking about the st- stickiness of the baseball and foreign substances. I'd be okay if we had other discussions yeah. in 2022. Yeah, same here, same here, absolutely. Um, but we'll move on. A couple of playoff uh, discussions to have, and we'll talk about these teams more uh, in our power rankings at the end of the show. But the Brewers, Rays, and White Sox have all clinched their respective divisions. Uh, we talked about last week the Brewers had clinched a playoff spot, but not their uh, NL Central division. They have locked that up along with the Tampa Bay Rays and Chicago White Sox. They are all uh, division champions this season, and uh, we will be seeing all three teams in uh, the postseason. Not a whole lot of analysis at this point about that because, like I said, we'll talk about that in our power rankings but one more point uh, about a team that was expected to make a playoff run and take a shot at the Dodgers at the top of the National League West of course this before we knew uh, what the Giants were going to go and do Um, but the San Diego Padres have been eliminated from postseason contention and they are in danger of actually having a losing season they are sitting at 500 right now uh with i believe six games to play and if you would have told me that the dodgers would not finish in second or would finish in second place and the padres were going to finish in not a playoff spot and be in danger of finishing below 500 I don't know what I, I don't know what I would have said to you, but uh, definitely not the way I don't think anybody saw this season playing out, especially in the NL West. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. I mean, I know you and I were talking before we started recording, you know, there are 15 plus teams now, 15 teams entering Monday that had been eliminated from postseason contention. So you might say, well, why are we singling out the Padres to talk about? Well, the majority of those 15 teams were not expected to make the playoffs. Diamondbacks, Orioles, Indians, Rockies, Tigers, Royals, so on and so forth. There are a few teams that were somewhat surprises that we've talked about before, the Cubs, the Twins, and their historically bad season Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But really, like you mentioned, the Padres had this incredible offseason. They brought in all these pitchers, the Musgrove and Snell and Darvish were all part of their rotation plans. And they mm-hmm. brought in so much pitching, and yet pitching has been the biggest problem for them down the stretch. Darvish has fallen off, and yeah. Snell's hurt. And, I mean, they've been throwing Jake Arietta out there for a while for yeah. multiple starts when he was just <laughs> nothing. I mean, no offense to Jake. He just had nothing left in the tank. Yeah. That's where they were. Uh, so that's just sort of the biggest shock. I mean, that's honestly one of the, you know, the fact that, like you said, they're not only missing the postseason, but they may have a sub-500 season. 
that's a tough spot. Now they're going to be yeah. in a good position come next year because most of those guys are going to be back and mm-hmm. hopefully health will be more on their side. There's, there's no reason to like be super concerned that like, Oh no, the Padres aren't going to be good again in this next three years. Like they'll yeah. be okay. Right. But that's still just a, a real blow uh, and a real surprise from how things were expected to, to turn out. Yeah. And I think, you know, from the Padres perspective, if you were going to have a season like this, you're almost glad that it was this season because two teams in your division are going to are, are hundred plus win teams. Mm-hmm. And even if you won, you know, 90 games, you would still be in jeopardy of, you know, missing the playoffs. So it's almost, you know, they can go back retool who knows what the giants are going to be next season. Who knows if they're going to be able to put together, you know, even 90 wins next season, you know, the Dodgers are always going to be, you know, good and capable of winning hundred plus games. Um, but I think this is a chance for the, the Padres to go back, uh, retool a little bit, kind of find what works. Um, mm-hmm. cause these are, they're dealing with a lot of new pieces. And, uh, I think that was part of the issue. Obviously the health uh, the health battle is always uh, always seem to be a topic of discussion for them as well, dealing with a lot of injuries uh, all year long. But uh, it's uh, definitely not what we expected, and uh, I think that uh, they're going to be they're going to be good next season. They're good for next season. They'll have all their pieces back and healthy, and I just think that it's um, it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond uh coming into 2022 yeah yeah no doubt about it they're going to be a team to watch what do they do this off season do they just kind of stay the course do they double down do they scale it back a little it's it'll be interesting that's that's for sure yeah absolutely absolutely but now we will recap uh our two teams i'll start with the white Sox, and chris you can uh, I'll give you the floor to talk about all things uh, 16 game win streak uh, after uh, after the White Sox recap. Um, so the Sox started the week with uh, two games on the road at Comerica Park in Detroit. Um, they would uh, what lose uh, those two games. The game one, uh, both teams put up three runs in the third inning. Uh, the Tigers were able to scratch across a winning run uh, off Craig Kimbrell in the eighth, uh, and they would lose that game four to three. Carlos Rondon made a three inning start. Um, he's dealing with some soreness. This is the most innings he's thrown, I think, in his career. Uh, so they're trying to keep him relatively fresh for the postseason. He was so good early on uh, and really past the all star break, but he kind of started to fall off a little bit as we headed into August. He spent some time on the injured list. Uh, so they're just trying to keep him uh, fresh for October. Uh, game two, hit the ball a lot, but only uh, got three runs across home plate. Uh, team was two, two for 10 with runners in scoring position. Uh, two hit games from uh, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, and Yohan Moncada, uh, but not timely hits, uh, unfortunately. Dallas Keuchel was good. He's had a couple of good starts in a row now. Um, he did give up 11 hits, but was able to limit the damage to just two runs. Jace Fry uh, ended up blowing the game, giving up three runs in the seventh inning. Uh, the Sox would lose that game five to three. And then game three of that series uh, was rained out and actually made up today. So we'll get to that in just a second. 
Um, and then we had five on the road at Cleveland, uh, including a doubleheader on Thursday. Game one of that doubleheader ended up being the clincher uh, of the uh, American League Central for the White Sox. Tim Anderson had a two-homer game, including a leadoff homer to open the game. He had four RBIs. Um, the, the White Sox would uh, score six in the second inning, and that ended up being the end of the road for Aaron Savale, the Indians' starting pitcher in that game. Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez uh, each went deep. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez started that game for the White Sox. He went three and a third, and he was pretty good, uh, and the bullpen shut it down, and they would win that game seven to two. Game two um, was kind of a hangover game. They did play tough, um, and they had it tied going into the bottom of the seventh. Um, and uh, Jose Ruiz gave up a walk-off homer to Oscar Mercado. So the White Sox lost that one, five to three. Um, that lineup was very interesting. Uh, Leary Garcia was in the three-hole. Uh, Andrew Vaughn was playing third base. Um, Michael Kopech started that game. He was perfect through two innings uh, with four strikeouts, another guy that they are trying to keep uh, fresh and healthy for the postseason, um, just giving him a little bit of a spot start there. In game three, uh, very uh, uneventful as far as offense goes. It was a Luis Robert home run. That is all the White Sox would need to win that game. Uh, it was a one nothing win. Dylan Cease was phenomenal. He went five and a third, three hits, no earned runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts. So he is in uh, tip-top shape as far as performance goes. He did leave the game early. Uh, he took a line drive off of the triceps area. And uh, from the sounds of it, it sounds like he's going to be okay and not miss any time. Um, and he'll just have a little bit of a bruise there. Um, but he has been very, very good, uh, especially in the second half of the season. In game four of that series, the White Sox were shut down by Eli Morgan, uh, the pitcher for the Indians. They got just one hit off of him through six innings and just three hits for the game. Uh, Lance Lynn was touched up for six earned runs over six innings. Uh, and the White Sox lost that one, 6 nothing. Uh, in game five, it was a solid win. 13 hits, five runs, multi-hit games from Leary Garcia, Yasmani Grandal, and Yoan Moncada. Uh, Lucas Giolito was very good. He threw six shutout innings, five hits, a walk, and six strikeouts. And the White Sox win 5-2. to two. And then today, earlier uh, this afternoon, they went back to Detroit and made up that game that got rained out. They went up 6-1 to one early thanks to a six-run fourth inning. Uh, and it was 8-2 to two going to the bottom of the eighth. Mike Wright Jr. and Garrett Crochet uh, combined to give up five runs to Detroit and bring it to within one run going to the ninth. It was 8-7. to seven. Jose Abreu was then hit uh, by a pitch for the 19th time this season. Uh, Tony LaRusso was very upset. The umpires did not do anything uh, about it. Um, and it was kind of similar uh, to what happened uh, in the Angels series a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was hit. Luis Robert was hit in the head. Uh, and then the White Sox hit uh, Shohei Otani uh, two games after that, I believe. Uh, but it was not intentional, but suspensions were handed down. Anyway, um, LaRusso was very upset that nothing was done. Uh, Abreu was trying to advance on a wild pitch, but he was thrown out. He exchanged words with Nico Goodrum, and then the benches cleared. Um, and I have never seen Jose Abreu uh, get that upset, but he, he is clearly uh, uh, tired of getting hit and uh, taking one for the team 19 times is a lot to be hit 
uh, over a season. Nobody was ejected uh, with the brawl, but tempers were definitely running high for the rest of the game. Liam Hendricks was uh, called upon to shut it down uh, in the ninth inning for his American League leading 37th save of the year, and the White Sox win 8-7. to seven. Overall, a 4-4 four and four road trip, um, trying to keep guys uh, fresh and healthy for the postseason. Odds are, at this point, uh, they'll be on the road to open the playoffs uh, against the Astros. They are two and a half games behind Houston for home field advantage in that first series. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that situation. Um, but they'll close the season this week with two uh, at home against Cincinnati and then three more at home against Detroit to end the regular season. And then Thursday starts the American League Division Series. Um, and it'll be good to see White Sox baseball at home for the first time since 2008 playoff baseball i should say yeah yeah absolutely i uh you know I, I, it's their first uh what's it their first division title since what is it 2000 2008 eight yeah yeah the first time just, ever they've made back-to-back playoffs i saw that well. today and i was just stunned i'm like I, I thought i misread the stat i was like this can't be true first time ever making the postseason back-to-back years that in the history of the franchise that yeah is, that is utterly, that is crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have, I have, a, I have a couple questions for you, but I think I want to mm-hmm. save them until we get to our power rankings. I have sure. a couple like thoughts of like wondering, like, mm-hmm. what's the level of concern here about this, about certain, not concern, but just like, are yeah. you worried about, you know, second half performance, but mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to save that until we get to our discussion on the power rankings, because I think it'll fit there better. Sure, sure. I guess that means it is my turn to talk about uh, the yeah. Cardinals. The floor you know, is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Well, remember <laughs> last week, last podcast, yeah. we were talking about how the Cardinals had won eight games in a row. And that seemed, that seemed pretty impressive. I mean, eight right. games in a row. Eight that games. doesn't happen very much. All of a sudden, oh. their playoff odds had gone from really, really slim to, oh, hey, there's a decent chance they might make it. Yeah. And that was with eight straight wins. <laughs> And they've doubled that. They've yeah. doubled it in the past week. <laughs> they played eight games since the start of last week. A very busy schedule. It was a busy week yeah, against yeah. the team that has won the NL Central, the mm-hmm. Brewers, and a team that wanted to play spoilers, not a great team at this point, but wanted to play spoilers in the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And they won every single one of them. The winning streak, <laughs> as we've mentioned, is 16 longest in franchise history they've actually won 18 of 19 now yeah and i thought i had run out of words to describe what we were witnessing this time last week yeah and now i realize i have to come up with words to describe this it is um, (laughs) insane and this this 16 straight wins continue the winning streak continued despite a very strange controversy in sunday's game their most recent game yeah where umpires the cubs were, were trying to come back and tie it or win it the umpires messed up like clearly messed up an infield fly situation by yeah. granting time when the ball was supposed to be live they should have yeah. got, cardinals should have gotten a double play and ended the, the game against the cubs in the ninth on sunday mm-hmm. umpires messed it up by granting time when they shouldn't have and uh, that led to a couple of the cardinals manager mike schultz getting ejected and yeah a bench coach almost getting ejected and the pitching coach having to come get him and uh yeah. you know it was i thought we were going to have like the you know the like assistant you know 
bullpen catcher coming in to manage the game because of how <laughs> everybody was getting pretty heated about that but it didn't yeah. matter they won yeah. anyway and it's been one of the best september runs in mlb history honestly it's been at this point one of the best runs winning streaks in mlb history period yeah it's the longest streak in base winning streak in baseball this year they're the first nl team to win 16 straight games since the new york giants again the new york giants in <laughs> 1951 and they're the second team in MLB history to win their final 11 or more road games, joining yeah. the, wait for this, 1887 Philadelphia Quakers. <laughs> of course. Yeah, who obviously. Could that team? Who could forget <laughs> the magical road winning streak to end the season from the 1887 Philadelphia Quakers? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's really been incredible. I'm not going to you know, I, I decided against going through every game here, but I, yeah. I do have a couple of numbers just about the streak. Yeah. Um, prior to the winning streak starting, they were 23rd in baseball on slugging percentage. During this winning streak, unsurprisingly, as you might guess, they lead all of baseball with a slugging percentage of 531, mm -hmm. 33 points higher than Toronto at number two. <laughs> so to put it in, into perspective, the way they've hit in this winning streak as a team is basically how Aaron Judge has hit for the season. And that was the Cardinals <laughs> average, like, you know, combine every batter yeah. in the lineup. That's a 531 slugging percentage. That's basically Aaron Judge this year. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if that gives you some clues about just how well this is, this can go when basically all their hitters are clicking at the right moment, Goldschmidt, yeah. O'Neill have joined Arenado in the 30 homer club, the bullpen, despite, you know, not having a ton of big names yeah. has been outstanding. And I, I give a lot of credit to Mike Schilt. He has managed it exceptionally well. Like uh, there's, you know, of course, in a, in a run like this, you're going to have some degree of luck. Yeah. I mean, a significant amount of luck and things sure. just working out no matter what button you push, it somehow just works out because that's how, that's how this is going right now. But a lot of credit to the decisions he's made and the trust he's put in his bullpen. I remember, you know, I think you remember this too. We talked about it early in the season, how many walks the pitching staff was issuing. Yes. Bases yeah. loaded walks, walks, walks all the time. They've yep. cut down all the walks. If they hadn't, wouldn't have cut down on the walks, we wouldn't be talking about a winning streak like this. I can confidently say. Yeah. Um, and now they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, one win away, any win from them in the next six days would get them in the playoffs. Or mm -hmm. if, you know, if Philadelphia, Cincinnati, a couple of loss from, from each of them would, would do it as well. Yeah. Um, Fangrass has their playoff odds at 100%, 100%, despite the fact that they're not, strictly speaking, at 100%. They haven't actually locked it up. Right. But <laughs> that's basically how much, how sure that that is going to happen. They're going to get the second wild card because they're not passing the Giants or Dodgers, uh, yeah. the Dodgers right now for that first wild card. Yeah. Uh, even if they won out, even if they won every game the rest of the year, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> right. Um, so it's uh, they've got they've got two. They get to round two against the Cubs and Brewers to finish the season. They play at home against Milwaukee and then at Chicago or against Chicago, three games series. So the best they could do to end the regular season would be twenty two straight wins. Yeah. At this point, I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, and we'll I guess I will stop talking here momentarily, but it, it fits 
with, I know something I, we can maybe mention briefly in the power rankings, or I can just throw it out there now, which is that there's a, you know, not, the Dodgers and Giants are battling it out this last week. There's a, a couple game difference. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a couple of reasons why those teams are really going to both be motivated to really, really make sure they try to win that division. Yeah. One is because they don't want to be stuck in a one game wild card. period. Yeah. And I think it's even <laughs> amplified by the fact that that one game wild card is going to be against a couldn't be much hotter than the Cardinals are right now team. Yeah. It'd be different if it was against a, oh, they're pretty good. They made it in their Reds team. Yeah. But the other wild card, the Dodgers or Giants, whoever doesn't win that division is going to have to face the hottest team in baseball yeah. in a one game situation, winner take winner advances. So yeah. it adds sort of an extra element to that final week of the NL West race, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about, you know, it seemed like for much of the season, really before this month, you know, it was either the offense was clicking or mm -hmm. the pitching was clicking. And it was, it was one or the other, like every week it was, you know, flip a coin about which aspect of the Cardinals was, you know, firing on all cylinders and they finally have put it all together. And not only that, they're putting it all together at an extremely high level on both sides of the ball. Um, they're getting, you know, clutch hits up and down the lineup. Uh, they're com coming from behind. I think they had, I saw a tweet that said they had like seven come from behind wins during their streak mm -hmm. um, or something close to that. And, you know, 16 games in a row. I mean, you're entering like 2002 Oakland A's Moneyball territory now. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it, it, one, it gives me, you know, 2011 Cardinals vibes, just that yeah. crazy run they went on. I don't know. I don't think it was, you know, this nuts, but uh, it also gives me uh, kind of shades of uh, the 2019 Washington Nationals. Mm. You know, they finished the month of May pretty significantly under 500 and underperforming in pretty much every aspect. Uh, you know, and we all know how that ended with, uh, with uh, a World Series championship for them. Um, I don't know if it'll end that way for the Cardinals, but they uh, can definitely, you know, make a, make a run. And if they uh, win their final six games, they'll finish the, with the exact same record as the 2019 Nationals. Oh, well, there's um, a fact for Just it. an yeah. interesting, yeah, interesting little tidbit that I just kind of uh, fell into uh, right there, looking at the, the Nationals uh, schedule from that year. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's something where they're hot at the right time. And, you know, once you get into October, anything can happen, starting with that one game wildcard game. Uh, and you just need to put together one uh, solid game and, you know, you could be off and running. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's always so hard to try to figure out in your head, head how much to weight what you view as the talent of the team versus the momentum and how that team's performing down the stretch. I don't, I don't know how much to put on one or another. It's, it's, it, it's an impossible task to say exactly, but yeah. I think it is clear that momentum matters. I mean, because right. at the end of the day, it only matter. It doesn't matter how many, like to some extent, this, the slate wipes clean as soon as the regular season ends. Now, of course, how you played in the regular season um, impacts the seating you get in this, this matchup that you're in, in the postseason. but yeah. 
it, it really, it's the slate wipes clean. Once you make it, it really only matters how you play from that point yeah. uh, in the matchups that you have. So um, it's, it, it's going to be very interesting to see a potential, I don't know, uh, Max Scherzer, Adam Wainwright, NL wildcard <laughs> game. Um, yeah. The old, old men battling. Let's have like a, it gives me, it gives me like think, it gives me thoughts of 2011 with uh, Chris Carpenter, Roy Halladay pitching in the, in the in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, see the old the old guys going out and and uh, dominating. So not to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 very very interesting stuff. So. It is indeed, and definitely something to to watch over the last week. See if uh, the Cardinals can run the table. Um, but we'll go to are the stay in baseball for September 27th, the day that we are recording this. Um, it, it was, uh, I had this week and uh, we have a Shohei Otani set. Oh wait. Um, but it is a, a pitcher that can hit, that was able to hit a little bit. Uh, mm. September 27th, 2007. Um, Micah Owings. I don't know if you remember that name. Uh, it sounded vaguely familiar to me when I, when I found this, uh, this fact. But uh, on this day, he pitched uh, six and a third innings of scoreless baseball. He also added four hits and four at-bats with three doubles and three RBIs in the Arizona Diamondbacks' 8 nothing victory over the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Uh, he would go on to win the Silver Slugger Award for the pitcher position, um, and he was the first pitcher since Whitey Ford of the 1963 Yankees to have two four hit games in a single season um, for the Diamondbacks. This was en route to a, an AL West title and the best record in the national league at get this 90 and 72. They would go on to wow. lose to the Rockies in the national league championship series. Um, but uh, another fun fact, their farm director at the time was actually A.J. Hinch, now manager of the Detroit Tigers. Wow. What do you know? That's that's a that's an interesting one. I, I was oh, yeah. I was looking back to see here as you've been as you've been reading the uh, been discussing this here. Let's see if I could get this. Yes. OK, so the the Diamondbacks, you know, this was <laughs> this was the last time they made it past uh, 2007. Yeah. The last time they made it past the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah. They have not made it past the NLDS since that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they lost in the NLDS in 2011 and then they won the wild card and then lost in the NLDS in 2017. And other than that, they haven't been back to the playoffs at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, wow. That, but that's a <laughs> four for four for a pitcher, three doubles. That's some, that, that puts, you know, in perspective, some of these pitchers, even, you know, we, there are some pitchers out there now who have sort of a reputation as being able to, to get into one uh, and send one far, uh, Madison yeah. Bumgarner, Zach Greinke, yeah. and others, uh, and of course, noted uh, power hitter Bartolo Colon. Oh, uh, obviously, but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but four for four, wow, that's uh, since Whitey Ford in 1963, two four-hit games. I mean, the, how rare that is for a pitcher to have a four hit game period, let alone two of them. Yeah. It's crazy. Any player to have a four hit game. I mean, I that, mean that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how many four hit games 
is the, are the best players in baseball having in a season. Right. Maybe a couple. Maybe. Yeah. Three, four, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not many. Not many at all. But after that, fun little tidbit. And uh, we'll go to our uh, final power rankings for uh, this season. And, uh, you know, not a whole lot of movement. Uh, I know my top six are exactly the same as they were last week. I did not move a single team. Um, it feels like, you know, a pretty defined, you know, top six teams. Uh, really the bottom four are where is where I saw uh, the most movement and where I decided to kind of shift some teams around. Um, but we can, you know, start at the, at the top, Chris, cause I see we have the same top five, at least, uh, yes. six and seven is where we start to differ, but I mean, you know, we've been over it time and time again. Um, giants and Dodgers, obviously the two 100 win teams at this point in the season, it's pretty clear cut. I mean, the giants have a two game lead, uh, and they've just been able to continue winning again and again and again and hold off the Dodgers just enough to keep that top spot. Um, the Rays uh, have that division locked up. They've created some separation uh, from the Brewers a little bit, who I think is the, the next closest team. They've won four in a row, um, you know, and they've uh, been able to hold off uh, those four teams behind them, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. Um, and they are just a, a very complete team and they get contributions from everywhere. And then the Brewers uh, and the Astros and the White Sox, I think are the, you know, the bottom three as far as, you know, division winners. I know we have the Dodgers up there, but, you know, Brewers, very good pitching. Offense is a little iffy. Astros, offense is very good. Pitching is solid uh, enough. And then the White Sox offense can be iffy. Uh, starting pitching is very good. Bullpen, a little shaky at times. So I think just uh, a pretty pretty clear-cut uh, top six for me, at least. I know, Chris, you have uh, a little bit of a difference of opinion uh, in the number six spot and the number seven spot. But uh, why, don't, why don't we start there unless you have something to add about uh, the team's uh, and our top five. Yeah, not, not particularly. I mean, the top five for me, you know, like you mentioned, we're in complete agreement, Giants, Dodgers, Rays, Brewers, and Astros. Not only are we in complete agreement, we're also, also neither of us changed from last week at all. Like, yeah. Which, I mean, I think it is, it is notable that those top five teams haven't given us any reason in recent weeks to really consider bumping them down. It really seems, mm -hmm. I know you mentioned six, and I certainly... I'm not far off from that. For me, it was really easy, a clear top five. And of course, your number six team, uh, I only have two, I have in the seven spots. So even that yeah. isn't a big difference. But uh, yeah, for me, it was like I sat down and wrote down the top five teams and didn't didn't honestly yeah. think too much about it. Um, <laughs> you know, I will say this a little fun fact on the Brewers. They actually have the most NL Central titles since the start of 2018, more than any other NL Central team. Uh, yeah. They have two. Cardinals and Cubs have one each. So yeah. there you go. Brewers powerhouse in the NL central. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, so yeah, I don't have anything to add on the top five. You know, I think we go to the sixth spot. Mm -hmm. You have the white Sox. I have the Yankees. Um, neither of us is, is far off from the other in terms of, I have the white Sox at seven. 
you have yeah. the Yankees at eight. So mm-hmm. not a big difference. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead and discuss the Yankees real quick. Then we can get into the White Sox. Um, yeah. You know, the Yankees, what a week it was for them. You know, they were a team that we you had outside of your top 10 last week. Uh-huh. I had in the 10 spot. They had really stumbled after an incredible stretch. Yeah. And they've just snapped right back into it. And maybe I'm being too reactive with my Yankees movement in the power rankings every week, but um, <laughs> yeah. they swept Texas last week. Not a surprise, but still significant. Right. And then a huge weekend sweep at Boston. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton in the weekend series, 12 at bats, seven hits, three homers, 10 RBI. Yeah. Um, <laughs> incredible weekend from him. Garrett Cole, there was so much discussion about him with the sticky substance situation and his struggles. Since the start of August, uh, he has a three ERA. If you Mm -hmm. subtract his one worst start, then it's a 1.84 ERA since the start of August. He's Garrett Cole. Like it, there's, there's no real need for concern anymore. He's adjusted whatever, however he needed to with the sticky sticky substance crackdown. I do wonder, and this is just sort of a a far off thought, you know, what happens if the Yankees need Garrett Cole for a, a potential game 163, a potential tiebreaker, Right, the wild card game, and then yeah. I wonder if their starting pitching uh, could get exposed a little bit. Some mm-hmm. of their their lack of high end options behind him mm-hmm. could get exposed. They do have Tyone back now, but uh, something to keep in mind. So I, I put the Yankees back to number six, um, and you went with the White Sox at six. So I'll let you kind of jump in there. I only had it one spot back, but uh, what was your thought process there? Yeah, I just think. <clears throat> the White Sox are, you know, kind of in cruise control mode at this point. You know, they've won their division. Uh, they, you know, they have all of the pieces. I think for me, the White or the the Yankees, at least, you know, they've shown that inconsistency. You know, they won uh, twelve straight, I think it was, uh, in August, and then they go and they, uh, you know, they get swept by. Uh, Toronto over four games, which was a crucial series for them. And that's what, you know, kind of vaulted Toronto into that, uh, that wild card spot for a few days there. Um, you know, and then they, uh, they, before that, they lost two out of three to Baltimore, who's, uh, one of the worst teams in baseball. They lost two out of three to the Mets after that Toronto series, uh, which wasn't great. Uh, and then they kind of got back on track. They went uh, and took two out of three in Baltimore. Uh, and then this this run that they've been on, they beat Texas over three games. And then a huge series against uh, the Red Sox, which they took all three. Um, and it's not going to get easier for them. Uh, their last uh, six games are three against Toronto and three against the Rays. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I'm a little bit weary of them, uh, moving them any higher than really top eight or seven, even, um, you know, the, the white Sox have been about 500, uh, over the second half of the season. Um, but they've done enough to, you know, lock up that division. Uh, is it a weak division? Absolutely. But they've, they've done enough to not, uh, you know, not completely fold, especially with all the injuries that they've had. Um, you know, their, their pitching staff has taken a beating over the past month or so. They've dealt with a lot of injuries there. 
Um, nothing major, but some minor things, guys missing some time. So I just think the Yankees, uh, for me, are a little too inconsistent for, uh, for my liking, and that does not, you know, play well in the playoffs. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good point, and I, it certainly, certainly makes a lot of sense. I really struggled with how I wanted to order six through eight, honestly, because I yeah. wasn't sure. I didn't really feel confident in any team in the sixth spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I wasn't like, it was a clear top five. And then I was like, I don't know. There's a reason. And I guess I could have, I, I think I completely understand the logic of just sticking with the white socks there because, yeah, you know, there's no real reason for real concern. I, you know, I do wonder, you know, like you mentioned, they've just been about around 500 ish since the mm-hmm. all-star break, a little bit better than that, but September has been about 500, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, again, it, it comes down to how much, does it matter if they were, you know, does it matter that, I mean, obviously if they were really struggling now, that'd be a cause for concern. Yeah. But yeah. is there really a difference between in our minds of how we should view it from, eh, they've been about 500 lately. Yeah. If they were six games better, like, does it really make a difference? I, I don't know. Part <laughs> of me is conflicted. You know, is it a, sure. a real cause for concern that they've kind of just been on cruise control? Will they be able to kick it back into gear and step on the pedal when mm-hmm. they need to and get out of cruise control? probably maybe i don't know you know i just it's one of those things where it's hard for me to know i don't want to overreact but i don't want to underreact either yeah so it's tricky but i, I certainly i mean you know like i said we're, we're splitting hairs of course because mm-hmm. i only have them at, at number seven um, right. and i know you have uh the yankees down at eight understandably you, you explained yeah. your reasoning for that you have the cardinals at seven um yeah. you know you we both bumped them up two spots from last week for you mm-hmm. from nine to seven me from from 10 to eight and there's not much else to add we've we've already talked about them it's it's just it's a it's a wild it's a wild world where (laughs) both of us put went white socks and then cardinals but the fact that that was a possibility that entered my mind that i might consider putting the cardinals above the white socks yeah yeah. that was even a consideration i would have thought you were crazy if you told me that three or four weeks ago Uh, it's just it's a weird it's a weird world (laughs) Yeah, all of a sudden, I mean, you know, the, what is it? They're about two, uh, a game and a half worse behind the White Sox. Um, <laughs> just, just, I don't even know what such to di- say. Such I mean, different paths, such different paths to getting to the, to getting to the point where they're almost at the yeah, same record. Right. Because, I mean, you look here and the White Sox finished the first half 19 games over 500. I mean, mm-hmm. a very significant uh, positive run differential. Uh, and then they kind of have just, you know, cruised in the second half. They've had the, the division locked up for most of the second half, um, if not all of it. And then you, you look at the Cardinals and, you know, their first half was, you know, two games under 500. And they were, had a, a pretty significant negative run differential. And in the second half of the season, they're 20 games over 500. And in September, they're 20 and six. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But, you know, they're both, they kind of both ended up in the same, almost the same spot. Obviously, the White Sox don't have to deal with the the one game uh, wild card. Uh, Yeah. You know, the winner go home game there. But, you know, very similar records. We'll see how it all ends up. you know, next, uh, next week, but it's, uh, definitely very interesting to watch the paths that our two teams have taken to, 
uh, to playoff berths because, uh, you know, I had my fun in the first half and, uh, <laughs> you ha- you're having your fun now. And, yeah. uh, in the end, it'll, it'll just, uh, it'll end up yeah. with, uh, both our teams in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, I don't think it could be more opposite paths, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's fun to see, um, yeah. you know, and, you know, winding at our top 10, we both are, we're in complete agreement, Red Sox nine, Blue Jays 10. And we both mm-hmm. had, uh, the three teams in our, our, you know, that just missed the cut being mm-hmm. the Braves Mariners A's, um, you know, I, I think the, the Red Sox and Blue Jays, we can kind of group together in the sense that they're both battling with the Yankees for mm-hmm. uh, the, what it probably will be those two of those three teams who get the two AL wildcard spots. The Rays have locked up the AL East. Yeah. So it's a matter of most likely it's a matter of which two of the, those other three AL East teams get the two AL wildcard spots. The Red yeah. Sox, of course, uh, got knocked down a little bit because they got swept by the Yankees over the weekend, but mm-hmm. they had won seven straight before. Yeah. So no reason to panic, but Hey, you know, it's going to come down to for both these teams, how they perform most likely in this final week. And the blue Jays, um, you know, a great September, they're in striking distance. It would be really fun to see them in the playoffs, but it's still an unknown. It comes down to, it's going to come down to this final week. This is really the, the playoff spots, the races that's, you know, the most interesting, I think most likely for this final week, maybe Dodgers giants as well, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on those two teams. Uh, not particularly just that they're going to be, you know, these, this next week of games is essentially playoff baseball for, uh, the Yankees, Red Sox and blue Jays. I mean, and even you could, you could throw the Mariners in there too. They're only two games behind, uh, and they've won eight of their last 10, uh, so yeah. they put themselves in a good position, but they're going to need some help. Um, but with, you know, the, the Yankees playing three against Toronto, uh, uh, these next few days. And then, uh, let's see the, uh, yeah, the Red Sox get Boston here or Baltimore. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely an opportunity, uh, for the Mariners to maybe hop up there and grab that second wild card spot. I don't think it's likely, um, but I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, but as far as, as Toronto and Boston go, I mean, I think Toronto is, is the more talented team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously we know about the offense. Um, their pitching has been very good, even without Hyunjin Ryu. Um, uh, performing at the level that he can or he's proven he can um but they've got you know Robbie Ray he's been awesome uh lately and Jose Barrios has been pretty solid so they've got the pieces on the pitching side it's just a matter of putting you know putting together six games um where they can again get themselves into that final uh wild card spot uh for the AL or even the top wild card spot because pretty much everything is in play uh for all three of those teams yeah absolutely um and, you know, we, like I mentioned, we both have the same three looking in teams, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Braves are just my, you know, real quick thought on each of these teams, the Braves, um, a, a strong week for them that they're coming off of. They've got a two and a half game lead over the Phillies as of the time of this recording. So mm-hmm. they're most likely going to lock up that division within the next couple of days. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's still not done until it's done. Right. Um, I They're a team that. 
I think might be a sneaky pick to make a, a potentially deep playoff run. Not mm-hmm. that I'm predicting it, but I think they might be falling a little bit under the radar just because they haven't had a fantastic season. I, I think right. they may be not getting quite as much of attention as maybe they deserve. Um, the A's, uh, that's a real yikes situation. <laughs> swept yeah. by the Houston, Houston over the weekend. Oh, no, sorry. They swept Houston over the weekend. So that was good. But it probably is just not going to be enough. Too little, yeah. too late. Yeah. They were swept by Seattle right before that. Mm-hmm. And when I looked a short time ago, their playoff odds at fan graphs were under 1%. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Mariners, like you mentioned, they're not far off. Like you said, they're going to need help. Their playoff mm-hmm. odds, according to fan graphs, when I looked, were around 3%. So yeah. very slim. They're not out of it yet, but they need a, the exact right set of circumstances. But yeah. the fact that we're still talking about the Mariners having any chance at all entering the final <laughs> week of the season, uh, they're a right. team that deserves some real recognition for the growth they've had this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be. Obviously, it would be fun because they have one of the longest, if not the longest, playoff drought in baseball, I believe. I, I think um, that's right. So that would be fun to see them break that drought, especially in a year when really nobody thought that they were going to be able to do that. Um, yeah. But uh, as far as the Braves go, um, they have a huge series uh, against the Phillies uh, coming up right. this week. Uh, you know, and that's really going to be uh the uh kind of the fate whatever happens in that is going to determine the fate of both the uh Braves and the Phillies uh if the Phillies do end up uh sweeping them they will take the lead in the NL East um and put themselves a half game ahead of the Braves um but we'll just have to wait and see it's going to be a very interesting uh final week uh in the NL East and uh just across baseball um, a lot of races to watch, uh, the AL wildcard, the NL West, the NL East, um, and it's, it's going to be fun. And uh, Chris, do you have your eye on any uh, key series? I know we mentioned uh, Yankees and Toronto, and we mentioned the Phillies and the Braves, uh, but anything else that you are watching that has uh, you know, significant playoff implications? Yeah, you know, I think we've I think we've hit on most of it. Uh, you know, I was kind of scanning through the the scoreboard here, the schedule for the next few days. I noticed mm-hmm. uh, yesterday ESPN has like three game, two two of their three games over the next week or so involve the Padres. Yeah, <laughs> because they clearly were planning out and thinking, oh, you know, Padres Dodgers play tomorrow night mm-hmm. in late in the last week of September. Everybody thought like, wow, that could be deciding the NL West. And, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that very much that was a game that everybody thought would be a big game and has mm-hmm. not turned into that. Yeah. Uh, but looking ahead to the final weekend of the season, we have uh, the Rays and the Yankees. Of course, the Rays have their fate sealed, but the Yankees, right. if they're potentially in a situation where they need to win, are going to be going up against the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's <laughs> going to be interesting. Meanwhile, you look at the other teams in that AL uh, wildcard race, you have the Blue Jays facing the Orioles over the weekend. Yep. So a opportunity for them, that's much weaker competition than the Yankees will have. Mm-hmm. And then the Red Sox will be facing the Nationals. So sort yeah. of an in-between. Um mm-hmm. Not the Nationals haven't been good at all, but yeah, you kind of look and see, you know, heading into the final weekend, where do the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Yankees fit in? Because the Yankees have the Rays, yep, the Red Sox have the Nationals, and the Blue yeah. Jays have the Orioles. That could be a key factor in that final weekend, 
Yeah, I saw that and had the exact same thought. Like the 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 Blue Jays definitely have the favorable schedule. Obviously, they have to the, the play the Yankees for three. But if they can kind of get through that and be within striking distance for the final weekend, it could get very interesting. Um, and I know there's all kinds of different playoff scenarios, you know, a three team tiebreaker where you have team A, right. B and C and one has to pick which team they want to be and all this kind of stuff. And it's just going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the part of me that wants the chaos uh, definitely wants <laughs> yeah. that to happen. Um, but it's, it's going to be very interesting. Three very different uh schedules going into the uh the final week and it's uh we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out yeah absolutely it's it's uh one of the most fun times of the year i know we've got of course you know football season's going college basketball's around the corner all this stuff Mm -hmm. there's plenty to pay attention to but there's still so much it's still so worth it to keep your mind in baseball too for this final week i know it's easy to kind of tune out and just like wait for October, you know, wait, wait till it's playoff time. But uh-huh. the stakes are super high heading into this final week for a lot of teams. And it's yeah. going to be really fun to see which teams step up because it's a, uh, it's a crucial moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris. And uh, that's going to be all the time we have. So uh, go watch some baseball. Go. Uh, if you're, if you're a fan of um, uh, the, uh, any of the teams in the uh, AL East that are not the Rays or the Orioles, um, may I suggest um, some deep breathing exercises? Um, <laughs> or if you're a, team, a fan of the Braves or Phillies, same thing. Uh, just just keep your heart rates under control. Uh, it's all going to be okay. Um, and uh, playoff baseball is right around the corner, but uh, lots to uh, lots to uh, still determine over this final week. So um, we will talk to you next week uh, and we will preview uh, the 2021 edition of the MLB postseason. And uh, until then go watch some baseball cheer on your favorite team. And if your team is out of it, join a bandwagon. That's always uh, a fun thing to do for October, but uh, for Chris, I'm Jake. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you next week.